0: welcome to the scottish business podcast where every week i will be sitting down with a ceo to talk to them about their challenges their successes and what it takes to build a successful business here in scotland I'm Sebastian Mackay, and on this week's episode of the Scottish Business Podcast, I'll be talking to Julie Grieve, who is the CEO and founder of Crichton. Crichton is a tech company that designs apps using Flutter for small hotels and hotel chains that allow them to give their guests a completely contactless experience. This is a really big episode for us. Julie had to completely reinvent her business from the ground up and essentially lost her clientele overnight when the lockdowns were introduced. So this episode, we're going to be really digging into what that means for a business and how someone can come back from a loss like that to build a business that's now gaining ground again and still in the same industry this is my conversation with julie grieve of crichton julie thank you so much for coming along to chat with me on this episode of the scottish business podcast um i'm really excited to talk to you because i know it's been a little while in the making and when melinda gave me a very small snippet of your story i sort of knew it was going to be a big one so I mean, I partly, usually I start these things by just saying, you know, let's get the the rundown on, on what you're doing. But I think that would be interesting. But I'm really keen to just sort of dive into how your business has changed. So what's the sort of basic premise and, and the shift that you went through?
1: So the basic premise was all about helping the independent hotel sector be able to compete with the big change, right? You know, Hilton and Maya have spent billion dollars between the two of them bringing all their technology into one place and making it easy for guests to engage and then well unsurprisingly independent hotels don't have that budget and the sector is hugely fragmented the technology sector that serves hospitality is hugely fragmented and that again means that it's almost impenetrable for a smaller hotelier who's not a techie to get into providing digital uh, guest experiences so there was already a big move to how do you become a digital uh how do you give your guests a digital experience if you're an independent and you know independent can be a big resort or um a a group of you know 20 hotels but how do you move to provide a digital requirement that the guests have and then um the global pandemic hit and all of a sudden it it's not even that it's digital experience hoteliers are looking for now they're just like i need to be contactless you know so how do you help your guests move through your hotel without touching things and so we've literally gone from um i mean i say we've gone from a nice to have to a must-haves but Mm -hmm. i think what you could say is that the view in the decision maker's mind around a better product has changed fundamentally and and that's been interesting because it's changed but also they're all under huge huge financial pressures because of course they were closed and you know there's huge concern around about what it looks like even over the next six months never mind the next two to three years before international travel returns and um it it's it's been frantic you know properly frantic so uh, it's i mean I I was speaking to someone the other day and I said, oh, it's a a really exciting time. I've got to be careful with that because there's a global pandemic, right? Yes. But when an industry such as hospitality hits a force that drives change like this, of course, it's going to be interesting to see how it reacts. And I just want to help. Like, I really want to be able to say to an independent hotelier, we can make this plug and play for you.
0: Mm -hmm. is this the hospitality industry sort of digital transformation if you will like is this the moment where they've gone well we should do that
1: I think so. And it is interesting, because there's a huge push and pull in the industry. They're concerned if they go too digital, that they remove the intrinsic offering, which is hospitality people. Mm -hmm. And, And so I guess a huge part of what we've been doing for the past few years has been around about educating that technology is there to underpin. And if it takes away all the drudge work, then your staff can actually provide hospitality but it doesn't necessarily need to be at check-in and a lot of them of course are are thinking well you know it's our first chance to make an impression that's Mm -hmm. where we that's where we see people for the first time and really we're saying no guest arrives at a hotel going "Woo, can't wait to get to the reception desk Mm -hmm. they can't wait to get to the room or the restaurant or the bar or the spa or the activities you know so it's about breaking down these barriers and saying to them digital transformation is about offering more guest choice
0: so this is i think a big one but how do you go into an industry that's and obviously you are part of this industry but when you look at your customers and the product that you're offering what's the sell at the moment when you have to go in and say we know you've been decimated and we know that no one's coming to visit but we have this thing we think you should buy
1: Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. So we what how we've done it is we stripped our product back to the basic product, which is basically a digital guest book with signposts to various different pieces of technology. So um and we've done a freemium model. So I mean free is freemium the right word. We've done an expend an extended free trial and mm-hmm. we've made it very flexible so that um you know, if it doesn't work for them, they're not tied in. I, I'm not here just trying to tie people into a technology It doesn't work for them. I want to help them fundamentally transform what they offer to their guests. And to do that, it's got to be good. So that's what we did. We went out to the industry and said, look, we've got something that will allow you to remove all of your collateral, your menus, um, You'll be able to have your guests download it free of charge before they arrive, so there'll be information in there, reduce the amount of time spent in common areas, and we won't charge you anything until January Mm -hmm. for the base product. But obviously we have four packages and lots of different add-ons, and so um, if you want them, you can pay for them, but they're discounted for a period of time. That's really what we've done.
0: And can you talk me a little bit through the evolution that your business has gone through? Because, like you say, you had guest books for an industry that was thriving, all of a sudden wasn't there anymore. Um, I know that there are some businesses that have gone, well, this isn't going to work, we'll just do something else. But obviously, you've kept at it. So, what's that been like?
1: So when we when I started Crichton, it was for service departments and holiday homes and um, that was just basically I was working in a service department and I had a holiday home and I was looking for that digitizing guest information and then Apple made some changes at the end of 2017 that made it pretty unaffordable for a guest house to have their own app. By that time I had figured out that actually I couldn't really provide it at an affordable level so that was mm-hmm. okay. But during 2017, after we launched, I realized that the value proposition was really strong for resorts and you know, bigger hotels who had lots of activities. And so we, we still work very closely with service departments. The use case is still there, but we, we tend to now work more with hotels, both groups and independents, and it's independent um, resorts. And it's about that brand piece. So how do you get your brand on a guest phone? and then do they keep it because if they keep Mm. it you can continue to communicate with them so that was really the first big change and the second change for me really was around about the functionality i was going to have to offer because as soon as i went to market for it we're like yeah we really like this um but we really want it to be integrated with all our other systems and that's when you start getting into well sure that sounds all right you know we can do a bit of that and then you go into the fragmented uh, technology sector and you're like this is this is a, i mean quite frankly it's a shambles you know do- dominance of a couple of big players who hadn't until recently invested in their technology uh, no no standardized api legacy some clouds you know like a plethora of um, technology but with no real inherent plan for how it's all going to be portrayed to the guest and if the guest if you say to a guest download these four apps or here's five ways to communicate with us they're like I can't you know they can't remember what they had for breakfast never mind Mm -hmm. how to get in touch with you so um, putting it all in one place and really helping to drive awareness and, and that contact and therefore ROI and the technology became the biggest driver for me. And always when we looked at the mission of Crichton, it was always about this bringing big chain technology to independent hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get, and that still remains true. But the thing that really drives me is the fairness of it. You know, So I just think this technology is here and it's fundamentally unfair that a small business can't have something similar to a big business without having to you know sell their house and um, so I sold, I sold my house
0: instead wow yeah I guess that's the <laughs> sort of entrepreneurial sacrifice right yeah when you what was it like that day you sort of woke up and the government announced no more hotels no more holidays were you just like oh fuck back to bed
1: I mean honestly um when I when I look back now um it's a it's a funny strange time so you know cro- coronavirus sort of broke over christmas and i remember saying to my husband oh this is going to impact our sales cycle because everyone's going to be worried about what's going to happen but we thought it was going to be like previous surge right that it was it wasn't going to make it here
0: mm. and
1: so i was more thinking about the impact of uh limited chinese travelers on the uk and europe because they are huge um contributor to the number of guests that are in the sector and I thought it could have an impact on revenue and then as a business you know I started to say right hang on a minute we better do some business resilience here let's you know we could we all work from home once a week but let's make sure we can all work from home at the same time what needs to happen and then I was in London and Boris Johnson was going to make his big announcement on the 11th of March and we were having Uh, we were at an awards dinner and we were hosting a table and i kept getting all these cancellations london was like a ghost town i mean there was just nobody around i went to i went to a meeting with a lovely hotelier they were running really low occupancy and i just thought right hang on a minute Mm. so i just said to my sales director boris is going to announce lockdown we're going to be in london it's going to be a disaster we're going home and i sent the business home so we went home on the 12th of march And then the following week, I just basically, probably not even the following week, that was the Friday morning, I sat at my dining room table and I thought, all right, I have a guest facing technology business and these guys aren't going to have any guests. So I spent a week really worrying about it. And then of course, the announcement for hotels came and travel, but I'd spent a week going, I love this industry, like it's, you know, it's the most exciting industry I've ever worked in. we just went to how can we help and and formulated the plan so we did a we did a coronavirus plan um, and the the exec team you know was right we've got a new data product how do we still get users on it how do we help the industry what can we do that's useful how do we still develop a roadmap all that sort of stuff laid it in a big mind map and came up with our our freemium or extended free period and um, and we knew we couldn't sell you know, we we were just like, you can't be selling to hoteliers right now. They're speaking to their staff, they're making people redundant, they're speaking to the banks. So we did nothing in April at all, apart from prepare. And mm-hmm. then in May, we went out and said we want to help.
0: I told everyone this story, but I got here on the 10th of February so obviously coronavirus had sort of broken in Asia in December yep. and I mean my you know my partner and I had booked our tickets and we were all set to move and a couple of people said to us you know it's really good that you're not flying through Asia because flying through Asia is going to be you know a bit weird although I will say it's the last time I'm ever flying through LAX because that is a nightmare in of itself and <laughs> You know, we got here and I think we had three weeks of just sort of walking around and exploring the city and then it was like inside. And and this obviously doesn't compare to the same scale as having your entire business model redefined and reshifted, right? But obviously, you have conversations with people and you think you have things like work and stuff lined up and and the job market just dies overnight so for you i mean you've been through all of that obviously you've recreated the business so what happens next like in january are you hoping that people will go yes we love this product we can now start paying for it um and then you just build again from there
1: yeah i I mean you know like we like everyone else we're all wondering what's going to happen next will there be a second lockdown you know Mm. ultimately i think most people understand that international travel is going to take um, a couple of years to recover to the level corporate travel. I think fundamentally changed now, um, but there's a strong leisure market. So um, what I what I hope is that in, by January our customers don't even like they're not even asking, you know, they've all signed They've all signed a contract, they've all signed a direct debit and they just start paying because they fundamentally get it. Mm-hmm. And one of the big shifts for our business has been that previously, we had to spend quite a lot of time helping them embed the app in their process, right? That's the, you know, we, although we've got a B2B product, the network effect and the value comes from them getting downloads. So we had to help them with that. Um, whereas now, I mean, they're all over that. They, they're, mm-hmm fundamentally all over it. So even if they're running with less occupancy is seen as a key part of their guest facing strategy and that's a huge change for us and so to answer your question, yes with some caveats that we Mm -hmm. have as a as a vendor to a sector that's been fundamentally um, bashed by coronavirus (laughs) we have to be flexible but also you know, we need to continue to grow the addressable market we can work with. And that means we need to continue to add in integration. So we're still continuing with our roadmap and saying, like, here is, you know, the property management systems we want to integrate with. Here's more door keys we're doing. We're looking at all sorts of different systems so that as the sector continues to recover, we can continue to meet demand and go overseas.
0: From a marketing and branding perspective, how do you convince guests to download another app onto their phone that they're just like, oh, I could just read this in a guidebook? Because I know that, from, and like, don't get me wrong, I'm ter- terrible with hotels, right? But where you would go there on business trips and holidays and all those sorts of things, um, talk about over explaining why you use a hotel. Um, but the point is, I would get there, and if they were like, here's another app or scan a QR code, I'd just be like, oh, can't be bothered. So how how do you overcome that when, you know, that is a big part of your business proposition, right?
1: I think I think it's dead easy, right? So you don't say to a guest when they're their student reception desk and having gone through the queue, please download this app. You tell them before they arrive. Mm-hmm. And if you're a business traveler and they say download this app because it's going to be your key, you do it
0: because mm-hmm. you
1: don't want to stand in a queue. And if you're a leisure traveler and you're traveling Uh, And they say, download this app because it's going to get you up to date with all the latest offers and you're going to be able to find out, you know, what kids little Johnny's going on, trips little Johnny's going on and what time and all that sort of stuff. You're like, yeah, that's useful. It's got to be useful.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, And so for me, if you if you say to a guest, we've got a lot, you know, the resorts have got a load of information to get across to their desk do you want to stand in front of us at the reception desk for 15 minutes while we explain that all to you and you forget it all because you've got check-in anxiety that you've got the right room or do you want to download this before you arrive know everything book everything and go about your business then most people go yeah okay and, and <laughs> that again everyone's like oh i've got to download an app i've got to scan a qr code it's like we do it all the time How, you know like literally everything we look at now we're like oh an app's quite good I'll download it. I'll see if I use it. If not, I'll delete it. Mm-hmm. I say to hoteliers all the time, if you've got repeat guests, that's good. They want to be they want to be associated with your brand. They're likely to keep it. We have research that shows they're going to keep it. Right? If they come once, they download your app, they use it to open the door, or just to book some room service, or find out you know what time the pool's open, and they've done it on their phone. They haven't had to phone you. Then that's a win for both parties. They can delete. So what, they don't take the book away with them. Some mm-hmm. people do take the book away with them, but it's quite unusual. Um, they've used it, they've had benefit from it, and they move on. They don't, you know, I, I think um, I think more and more, with travel in particular, if you look at airlines, you know, so how airlines went about this. You know, I now have, I, I must have like 25 airline apps on my oh. phone, because I travel a lot, right? Well, I used to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I would do anything not to stand in a queue. So someone says, download this app and get your boarding pass on it. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, I,
0: I I guess it's similar to when like you're booking tickets somewhere and they say, oh, why don't you book a car and book a hotel at the same time, right?
1: Yeah, and also, you know, if you think, I think the other thing is like everyone was like, oh, contactless came out, oh, I'm not going to use that. Now, you, you don't even take your card with you, you just take your phone. You know, oh, I've never put my card in my phone, that's crazy. It's easy, right? And that's where um, hoteliers need to get to. Now, the truth of the matter, of course, is before COVID, we had some hoteliers who were like, you, am I going to be able to get my guests to download an app for each hotel they stay in? Truth of the matter is most people stay in two to four hotels a year. And Mm -hmm. if you tell them if it's worth their while, they'll download it. For the business traveler, if you tell them they don't have to queue, they'll download it.
0: Yeah, I'm the worst for the contactless one because I've been using it so much since um, coronavirus that I've forgotten my pin cut, my pin number. <laughs> and so when there are moments where I'm buying something and I don't have my pin, it all of a sudden looks incredibly suspicious. <laughs> like, hold on a minute, and I pull out my phone and I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm gonna have to edit this out for <laughs> cyber security purposes. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm the I'm the worst for that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a problem. And you know, if you look at Apple Pay, I mean, you know, you don't. There's not a limit on that unless Tesco like Tesco overrode that. But uh, you know, for me, this is, this is about making sure there's something in it for the guest. You can't get a, de- a guest to download something that you haven't put time and effort into. Mm. But if, if there's going to be great messages, great offers, great last minute information, you know, open a door, check in online, pre-checking COVID information, loyalty, you know, be able to chat, you know, be able to order your room service. Yeah. I mean, who wants to pick up a phone in a hotel and order room service now? Like, nobody. Or ever, right? Like Exactly. It's just, you know, like how many times have you been in a hotel and you look through the room service and you're like, oh, I need to phone them, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that has come up a lot on this podcast is the idea of collaborations of partnerships and all that sort of thing. It seems to be like a sort of overarching theme when it comes to how business, like Scottish businesses specifically are going to keep growing and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, hotels are your customers, but are you finding that their attitudes are changing to the way that they want to approach technology and work with other businesses um, now that they're in this sort of new situation?
1: I think they're. I think mostly they're frustrated by the fact that they, they choose. They choose their technology based on every hotel is slightly different, you know, based on the person. Um, and then they're like why is this not easy and and i think they do think it's easier than it is so there's a bit of education around about you know so mm, okay so you want digital key? you might need to get your locks upgraded and that doesn't happen overnight because somebody has to go to your hotel and put mm-hmm. a new tip in the lock Um so there's a bit of that but i think i think most of them would say they see us as a partner Um and they like the fact that we're trying to join things up for them you know when i talk about what we do at the heart of it we're like an aggregator of guest-facing technology mm-hmm. into an app to make it easy for your guests to engage and um they, they like that and during covid we also did a payment holiday you know because i just went out i said to them i want you thinking about Crichton, and you know you've got big stuff going on get on with it and you know and the feedback was overwhelmingly thank you you know you're the sort of business we want to work with because I understand their pains I've been there and mm. um, you know they didn't have any guess <laughs> how,
0: how do you survive when you know your clients are on payment holidays and you're not you know you're deferring payments until January I know that there's been furlough schemes and stuff like that but is there things that you've been able to do beyond that to make sure that the business keeps going
1: Honestly, Sebastian, it's completely and utterly the, the stage of the fin- the funding I was at, so it was, it was my competitive advantage, we're fully funded, our MRR is still growing, but it's qu- it's quite low still, you know, relatively, <laughs> um, so I was able to do that, and I, I was happy to do it, because you've only taken advantage of your competitive advantage, but also I wanted to help, so I, I mean I haven't furloughed anyone, because basically we like three times the number of locations we work with and two and a half times our customers over wow. the periods so that's great yeah it's great nobody's paying me it's great and um, some people are paying me fortunately um but we've had to take on additional resource uh, to manage that
0: so um
1: yeah it it's hard but it was the right thing to do
0: it feels a little bit like and, and a few businesses have said to me that 2020 was supposed to be like their banner year. That was when they were going to blow up. But talking to those businesses, and you said before that in a way, this is kind of a fantastic situation, but also objectively horrible for so many people and so many things, that it's sort of been delayed and like 2021 is kind of going to be that banner year. You know, is it, do you get that sense? I, maybe not for client facing hotels, but for your side of the business that, you know, things may well bounce back because you're putting so much effort into making it, work now. Like it's not just going to balance back on its own, but you're obviously nose the grindstone, right?
1: Yeah. Look, ultimately, as I said, the part of our um, coronavirus strategy was very much around about how can we continue to add users. So we've got this a fledgling data product, which is all about understanding what guests use the app for, to be able to turn that into insights for the hotel, mm. be able to sell more to their guests like in a non-creepy way you know so that sort of Netflix Spotify thing people like you like this or the last time you were here you had this bottle of wine do you want it again so we we very much came at it from how can we do that and and you know an extended free trial felt like the way to go but I think for me it feels it feels like not just not just that this was to be our banner year now it's pushed back a year it feels like a fundamental step change in the in the market and and the opportunity that that brings is enormous Um, but also what we've done has been risky right so what Mm. we could have done is just like laid off a lot of people got our costs right down and extended our runway out through to um the end of or midway through 22 maybe but we needed to have customers used in the platform we needed we've taken this opportunity to know how long does it take us to build apps in anger and how quickly we can we get them out you know our processes have all really been honed during this period but our runway is the same as it was so um yeah it it, time will tell Mm. whether it was whether it was the right risk to take or not
0: I like your Netflix and Spotify example because because we're also used to using it, right? If I'm on Spotify and I get a alert that's like, oh a new album from this artist, I always click yes, I'm I'm always into that. But that just because we're used to that from like a consumer point of view doesn't make it not new for like a hotel facing point of view, right? So that sort of big data back end technology of that thing must be must be crazy. Can you tell me a little bit about what it's been like pulling that together?
1: Yeah, I mean I think the, one of the first things is just is just looking at what the app's producing and um, you know we needed volume for that because because we really do we want two things. We want to be able to anonymize it to the point where we can say to O'Telier, a lot of your guests are looking at this, your guests aren't looking at that page, maybe you could do this or the dwell time or all that sort of stuff. So the 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 volume was important. And then the personalised piece is quite interesting, right? Because we've got to then pull other data from other sources in to make that make sense. And so back to talking about partnerships, there's a um, a CRM uh, for hotels in Scotland that we work really closely with. We were looking at how our data sets sit together, and can we use that to actually become a recommendation engine? So there's 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 the big data piece, which which is. It's not obvious but you mm. if you've been in the hotel sector you can understand what a difference it can make quickly and the sort of signposts you can say to hotels think about this do this this is your top page and then there's the more exciting sort of getting into that non-creepy personalized recommendation piece which is a bigger task and um, but will be a good prize
0: do you feel like someone that's on the sort of leading edge of Uh, hotel technology if you will or do you just feel like someone that's just trying to make do and get through a shit time or both
1: i mean i think the leading edge of hospitality technology isn't that leading edge to be honest because Mm -hmm. technology is so you know the technology we're trying to pull in some of it's quite legacy but i think what we're trying to do which is really about economies of scale reducing the cost to provide this is um fundamental for the industry and you know i i mean i I say this quite openly i want to get to the point where like intercom people are like oh i need a chat system intercom Mm. off you go or i need a i need a payment program stripe is the choice payment you know I want people in the hotel world to say, "I need an app from a customer." As we use Crichton, and you know that's a fairly lofty vision and probably quite leading edge. And I think you know when I look at what we've done with our technology around about where we started, it was open source. You know we rebuilt from scratch last year. It's built in Flutter, which is you Fair know enough. still yeah still fairly new. And um, you know we're we're certainly leading the way in the UK. Around about Flutter and in and, and mobile apps for hospitality. So, and I had um, a journalist from Skift a couple of weeks ago, which is like the big trade press for hospitality. Basically, say to me, you know, you're you're the best known app builder in the in in the world or something. And I was about like, oh, that's that's wow. great. But also, the app is just the medium right now, you know. So, mm-hmm. I, I keep saying to my guys. In, in 10 years time, if apps aren't around anymore, we're still going to have that problem. There's a load of technology that's guest facing, how do you put it all in one place for the guest to engage with it so the hotel gets ROI? So um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but I think, I think we're all super excited in Crichton about the potential for the product in a market that really, really needs to step up. Mm-hmm.
0: And just before I let you go, I'm curious, and it's probably going to be really hard to narrow it down this much. But like, what are the sort of biggest uh things that you've learned through going through this whole process? If you could, I don't know, put it into a bullet pointed list, or you know, I always feel like a dick when I ask questions like that, but <laughs> here we are.
1: No, I, it's I mean, my podcast. I, I think I think the thing is, we're still I'm still learning, and, and honestly, if I wasn't, I'd be bored. Like you know, I I, I like challenges. I like to i like to go oh god i've got no idea and go and figure it out i mean the team all going remote like that has obviously had a big big impact and mm. we've had to work really hard to try and maintain their team spirit and you know when I interview people, they quite often say to me, oh, what do you think the culture is as the CEO? And I say, well, you know, really you should ask the team because like, I know what I'd like it to be, but the team makes it, right? You know, you can, as CEO, you can kind of lead the way and say what you want and all that sort of thing. But it's how the team is with each other that is your culture. Um, and And I have to say, I've been super impressed by how our office culture is kind of translated to online and remote but how we i feel like we've moved to more collaboration and more supportive because we worked quite hard at the exacting level and then filtering it down to say mm-hmm. like folk who are on their own you know without partners we need to make sure they're okay and the people who've got kids we need to make sure they're okay and then everyone else we need to make sure you're okay so i think we've I've spent more time thinking about that than probably I ever have done as a, as a founder, which is quite right. And you, you know, you could say that arguably I should be thinking about it all the time, but you, but you think about it lots all
0: the time. You're always putting out fires and all that sort of thing when you're a founder, right? There's a lot going on.
1: That that's, I think that's been a big kind of, it's one of those, it's one of those, um, you know, gifts that keeps on giving i feel like the more that we work on it the better it gets and that's great but i i think um other learnings have just you know i mean we're we're starting to we're kicking off around and so you know what that's going to look like in coronavirus and and just um you know we we changed our policy so you know it used to be start work between eight and ten and then you do your seven and a half hours and you go Mm -hmm. and now like we've got core hours of 10 to 12 and two till four so that we can have meetings but with that just get your work done and um you know I, like I, every business i ran before this was customer facing and it's not this isn't anymore so there's been some really good stuff around about that which i would say is about me personally just getting to the point where I'm like i trust this team i know they're i know they're doing their best i know they all care about it and you know I really want to help everybody get on and really deliver and yes I mean um humbling is is a big word to use but I I have on occasion got a little bit sort of welled up when I think about just how fabulous the team are and you know we've onboarded eight people there I go again Um, But we've onboarded eight people during this time and they're all brilliant you know they're all just like really want to help you know it's uh, it's 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 phenomenal to see
0: i feel like that's been a really big theme with businesses especially the ones that i've spoken to if they've gone you know we we used to be in at eight out at five or whatever it is and now we've realized people can just work whenever they want and they get things done and yeah. i think maybe this is quite a broad stroke but like ceos are sort of realizing that the value Potentially, that people are adding, and and you know, because they want to add it as well, and like they want to be doing yeah. that kind of work, as opposed to that sort of assembly line box building way that I think we tend to still approach business. Yeah,
1: no, I I agree. It's um, look, I mean, it's you always want to do the best by your team, and mm-hmm. and you know, generally, we've always had a really strong sort of sociable going out you know banter all that sort of thing and it's 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 hard to replicate that but we we have worked hard to and mostly you know just the fact that everybody's like oh my god how do we help that you know that was just throughout the business and it was brilliant to see
0: you never know when slack banter is going to get you into trouble (laughs) when in-person banter usually wouldn't
1: (laughs) it is it is you do have to be careful i have i have taken to giphy's so I think, I think giffies is my best way of expressing myself on Slack rather than uh, people people being able to see my sarcasm <laughs> because unless you write in brackets afterwards, I'm being sarcastic, which kind of takes away from the point. So, so yeah, there's there's quite a lot of giffies with on fire and toast and that sort of thing, which is 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 you
0: know good. I am the king of putting my foot very firmly <laughs> in my mouth when it comes to making sarcastic and snide remarks on things like Slack. Julie, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to chat. It's, well, it's been pleasure. really, really um, enlightening. And obviously, it's a really challenging time, but it's so cool to see the business you know, going through it and coming out the other side. So thank you.
1: Thanks, Sebastian.
0: That was my conversation with Julie Grieve, the CEO and founder of Crichton. Now, next week on the Scottish Business Podcast, I'm going to be talking with Danny Gordon, who is the founder and CEO of the Chachi Power Project. Now, Danny initially was focusing on mental health and body image, but being a small startup founder, it's been a really rocky road during COVID-19, so Danny and I talk a lot about what the lockdowns and the pandemic have meant for startups that didn't have funding were just getting started and maybe were one or two person bands and how they're managing to pull through it or reinvent their businesses. That's next week on the Scottish Business Podcast.